Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad you could join us this week. In our next segment, we're going to give you the headlines of the week. Lots going on with the NBA Finals and the Stanley Cup Finals in the NHL. We'll talk about that. In segment three, Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com will join us, and we're going to discuss the botched call that cost Detroit Tigers pitcher Armando Galarraga a perfect game this week. Will we finally see expanded use of instant replay in Major League Baseball? Look, I don't want balls and strikes, but in cases like this, everyone else uses replay. Tennis, basketball. Football. Everyone uses it. I think it's time that baseball entered the technology age. We'll talk about that. We'll also look back on the career of Ken Griffey Jr. And just as he's departing, a pitching phenom, Steven Strasburg, is going to make his debut next week. We'll talk about that. In segment four, Jeff Brenniger. He's the head pro at Old McDonald Golf Course at Bandon Dunes Resort on the southern coast of Oregon. Old McDonald opened this past week and will likely be named the number one course you can pay to play in the United States. There's an amazing business story with Bandon Dunes Resort. We'll share that story and give you a review of Old McDonald. That's coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my sports business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Become our Facebook friend. Follow me via Twitter. Just visit my blog at sportsbusinessradio.com. Link to the Sports Business Radio Facebook and Twitter pages. My Twitter handle is at SB Radio. Well, I had a chance to go play the new Old McDonald course. And if you haven't listened to this show for the last six years, I'm a big golf buff. I don't get to play nearly as much golf as I'd like to. But uh, this was one of my favorite courses that I've ever played. They just got it right. You know, I thought after they did the first three courses down there, Bandon Dunes, Pacific Dunes, and Bandon Trails, it would be hard to top what they had done. But I think they did it with Old McDonald. And I look forward to uh, catching up with Jeff Brinegar in segment four. Had the pleasure of playing that course. And again, Armando Galarraga, poor guy, but I'll tell you what, he handled the moment with class and dignity, and I thought umpire Jim Joyce, who came out right after the game and said he blew the call, he handled it with class and dignity. The two men taught us a lesson in sportsmanship this week that I think many other people should follow. All right, headlines coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. This is SBR. Back with more after this. Podcast this show and any other past SBR episode at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs, Themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training, sports business curriculum taught by industry experts, and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. 
Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. Well, it's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one, the NBA Finals got underway this week and lots of business around the NBA Finals. The average average ticket price for the NBA Finals, $610.49. This according to SeatGeek. Now, check this out. If you want to sit courtside in Los Angeles at Staples Center, a ticket on StubHub, one ticket, $52,943. Brian Griggs, our new producer, uh, that's some serious coin. Is it? Is it worth that? I wonder, you know. I don't think so. I mean, <laughs> by comparison, an advertiser is paying $400,000 for a 30-second ad. I mean, you're paying $52,000 for a courtside seat. You might as well just spend a little bit more money and have a 30-second spot running on uh, national TV. You get more recognition that way. I mean, unless you're a star, you're not going to be on TV. Right. Even if you're courtside, probably. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes even the stars uh, don't make it on TV. Um Other business around this, the NBA has done the best job, in my opinion, of any other league of growing their brand internationally. This series is going to be televised to 215 countries in 41 languages. It'll be streamed on NBA.com through the NBA League Pass. Um, Also, for the first time, the finals are going to movie theaters throughout Mexico through Sinopolis. And that has uh, 236 complexes and more than 2,200 screens There's going to be coverage in Africa, 15 free-to-air stations for the first time. This is through a new partnership with Sea Africa. The NBA opened offices in Africa in May. Now, the media headcount, always very big, and because the NBA has become more international, because Pau Gasol from Spain is playing in the finals, more than 280 international media members from 36 countries are going to cover the NBA Finals in L.A. and in Boston. 44 of those media outlets are from Spain, again, to cover Lakers star Pau Gasol. There are 43 broadcast partners airing the Finals around the world for the first time. Now, let's talk TV numbers. The TV numbers for the playoffs this year have been down. So the NBA and obviously ABC, who will televise the finals, they're hoping that the ratings go up. And they've guaranteed advertisers a 9.0 rating on ABC. If not, they've got to do what's called make goods. To put this in perspective, last year when the Lakers played Orlando in the finals, They got an 8.4 rating, 14.3 million viewers was the average. So they've got to do better than that this year, Brian. And they did do better the year before when they played the Celtics. They averaged a 9.3. So if they can just do that 9.3 again or better, they won't have to do the make goods with the advertisers who, again, are paying $400,000 for a 30-second spot. And I was going to say, I mean, it's got to help the Boston L.A., you know, the the rivalry and the history there. I know even on ESPN this week they've been showing – Tons of stuff of the old way back in this, you know, the old rivalry, the old, the old uh, shots of, you know, all the old players. So I think that's got to help a little bit. No, it does. I mean, if you ask NBA Commissioner David Stern at the beginning of the season, you can have your NBA Finals matchup. He's always going to put the Lakers in there in the West. And then I think he would have said either Boston or Cleveland with LeBron James. Boston, I think, has even more star power than Cleveland does. And then when you put together the storied histories of these franchises, like you said, and the fact that they've met up in the NBA Finals so many times, and that between the two of them, 
they have at least half of the NBA championships in the history of the league, it's a recipe for what should be good ratings. Speaking of good ratings, the NHL Stanley Cup. These ratings are up enormously so far. 213% the ratings are up. And NBC, who has always struggled to get viewers for the Stanley Cup, they're doing much, much better this year. Game 2 earned a 25.1 rating in Chicago and an 18.5 rating in Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So the local markets are just going bonkers for their teams being in the Stanley Cup. And if you look at it, you know, it's been so long since the Blackhawks and the Flyers won a Stanley Cup. Their fan bases have been waiting for this day for a long time. You've watched some of the Stanley Cup. What do you think so far? Yeah, I mean, I've watched every game, part of it, at least DVR'd uh, the, the last game, and it was uh, it's great. I mean, the, the fan base is phenomenal. You know, the, in Philly, everybody's got orange on. They're just waiting for that big goal in, in the overtime game. Um, it's been great. It's been a fun series to watch. Uh, good crowd. Uh, the announcers are getting into it. Everybody seems to be really, really pumped up this year for the Stanley. So, And as we said last year, with the birth of HDTV and the ability for more and more people to get HDTV, hockey is such a better viewer sport on TV than it's ever been before. The hardest thing with watching hockey in the past was following the puck. Now, with HDTV, the fact that you can follow the puck much easier, I think that's also led to this ratings increase. So, a 4.1 overnight nationally, it's great, but let's compare it to, let's say, the NFL draft. The first round of the NFL draft got a 5.4 rating. The NCAA selection show this last March got a 4.8 rating. So, again, hockey, they're excited about these ratings, But when you compare them to some other things like the NFL draft or even the NCAA selection show, which is, you know, it's a show. It's not the pinnacle of your sport like the Stanley Cup. The NHL still has a long way to go. One interesting note is we told you that $610 was the average ticket price that's being commanded on the open market for the NBA finals. $610. Well, Stanley Cup, Flyers, Blackhawks. The average ticket price for that series, $656. So slightly ahead of what Lakers-Celtics ticket prices are going for. And, you know, one of the things I talk about a lot, people don't realize it, the average ticket price to go to an NHL game is higher than the average ticket price to go to an NBA game. Not by much, but it is less expensive to go to an NBA game. I think people have the perception that the NBA is so expensive, and it's not as expensive as the NHL. Quickly, numbers for the Indy 500. All you need to know, it was the lowest ratings that they've received since the event began airing live in 1986. Just like we've talked about before with the Kentucky Derby and with horse racing, Basically, auto racing is dead, and IndyCar racing is really in big trouble. Nobody watched this year, and NASCAR, they've had their problems as well, but IndyCar racing is really, really not doing well. Coming up next, Maury Brown. We're going to talk lots of baseball. We'll talk about the botched call in Detroit. Will we finally see instant replay after Armando Galarraga lost his perfect game? And we'll talk about the career of Ken Griffey Jr. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in the know at sportsbusinessradio.com. Podcasts, blogs, and more. SBR will be right back. 
Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Brian Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is NBA Commissioner David Stern. I thought you did a wonderful job of handling the game ball situation. You listened to your players and the owners, and ultimately I thought you got it right. What did you learn from that experience? It probably pays to go the extra step to build a consensus, even though you don't think there's any other view that makes sense. My guest is Jack Nicholas. What are the main lessons the game of golf can teach us if we pay close enough attention? You develop relationships with people. I think you play 18 holes of golf with somebody. You get to know them pretty well. We're joined by Bill Hancock. He's the executive director of the BCS. What we want is for the best two teams to play in the championship game. Beyond that, I'm not sure it's really fair to say what's good for the BCS or what or what's bad for the BCS. Follow us at sportsbusinessradio.com and on Twitter at SB Radio. What were the terms that got that big deal done? These guys know. Sports Business Radio. Well, anytime we talk baseball, we love to have our good friend Maury Brown on from the bizofbaseball.com. Maury, thanks for joining us this week on Sports Business Radio. Hey, Brian. It's always a pleasure. Lots of baseball happenings this week, and the one that everyone is talking about, even the casual fan, is the botched call in Detroit that cost pitcher Armando Galarraga a perfect game. It was an egregious error. I feel horrible for Jim Joyce. I give him a lot of credit for coming out after the game and manning up and owning up to his mistake. And I thought Galarraga handled it with a lot of class, too, both on the field at the time of the horrible call and then after the game as well. But isn't it about time, Maury, that Major League Baseball get on the technology train and use instant replay, not with balls and strikes, but for plays just like this? Well, I think that you do, Brian, and I think that it'll be a matter of going into it by degrees. Look, I mean, most people understand that baseball is is behind the curve on this. They're, they're very steeped in, you know, their tradition and whatnot, and the game's been around for a long time. Certainly Bud Selig, you know, views himself as a bit of a purist, even though and, you know, in some senses, he's been more radical than his predecessors. This is something that they seem to be behind the times on. And look, it isn't just this. I mean, this may be the most heart-wrenching uh, moment where instant replay could have probably solved a major problem. But, you know, in the postseason last year, we had several calls, you know, whether it was foul balls that were fair or whatnot. You know, there, there were just a number of plays that we had this conversation about umpiring as opposed to the game itself. And, you know, and I've written about this, you know, it's a matter of, you know, the NFL and the NBA, the referees get, you know, they get a mulligan. You know, we never have to have this conversation. We never talk about the blown call by, you know, a player having their line on the three or, you know, the ball maybe, you know, passing the plane into the end zone. You know, they we have instant replay that basically gives those referees cover. And I think that in some senses, you know, this is really puts a lot more pressure on the umpires Absolutely. than they deserve. Absolutely. They, they, they need to have the cover, I think, that the NFL and the NBA have. And this, this, you know, I don't know if this is going to be the turning point, in it, but it's really going to put some pressure on Bud Selig and the league to maybe overturn this call. And then that might set a precedence. You know, how do, how do you move forward from that? Where, where do you draw the line? So it's going to be a delicate line for them to walk on this issue um, going forward. Well, and at the end of the day, this is what everyone cares about as far as the leagues themselves, the fans, the players – Get it right. Get it right. And if you can use replay, like you said, like they do in the NBA, like they do in NFL, like they do in tennis with Hawkeye, which I think is a tremendous 
invention for tennis. Get it right. And I think if you let them use replay, and again, I don't want to see it for balls and strikes and get down to that level of minutia, but I think for something like this, this poor kid got robbed of an opportunity to do something that's been done, what, 20 times in 134 years. He would have been the 21st, and, and now, you know, he, he doesn't Get his name in the in the record book. Well, yeah, and it would have been the third perfect game in 24 days, which would would have been amazing in and of itself. Why you is know, that, Maury? Why? I mean, I, I was trying to ask myself that question this week. Why do you think we've seen two and what should have been three in the span of less than a month after it had only been done, you know, a number of times in 134 years previously? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with you know, I, I think the the level of play is, has shifted somewhat as of late. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether you want to say that the quality of hitting has gone down or whether the quality of defense has gone up. There's certainly been a lot more emphasis on defense lately. Um, now it hasn't exactly paid dividends in terms of offense, but you know the Mariners tried to you know they're they're they certainly designed their team around defense, and the Red Sox has certainly done that, which you know places a lot more you know pressure on your on your pitching staff. But um, there has been a lot more as uh, emphasis on that as the quote unquote steroid era you know basically is coming to a close hopefully, and there's a lot more emphasis on you know basically station to station play. So maybe that's it you know, but it, it it's certainly lining up to to be some interesting. Uh, Interesting play, to be certain. Last question on this topic. There have been a lot of people who have said, well, Major League Baseball and Bud Selig should basically award Armando Galarraga the perfect game. Because it was such an egregious error, they should overturn that bad call and give the kid the perfect game. I don't agree with that. I think you open up Pandora's box by doing that, and I think it's a bad precedent to set. But, you know, again, I feel terrible for Galarraga, but I wouldn't do it. What would you do? No, I, I would have to agree with you, you know, in, in the sense that it is one of those things that, you know, it would it would certainly get Joyce off the hook. He feels horrible about it, um, and it would give Galarraga the, the perfect game, but it, it does exactly what you said. It would open up Pandora's box. I think that it, it just emphasizes, once again, the need for instant replay. And, the, you know, and it's not just, you know, this conversation that you and I are having, Brian. This is going on, in, you know, in sports pages and on talk radio uh, around the country. I mean, it, it is one of those things to where it just once again, again emphasizes this and, and to a man I think all of all most everybody agrees that there needs to be some form of change that goes on whether it's a matter of degrees like I think it should be I don't, I don't think you want to do this you know in one big fell swoop but you know certainly maybe for you know foul balls and let's start there if we did boundary calls for home runs let's do foul balls next and then you know gradually work into it and and see how it goes but I mean something has to change and the amazing yeah. thing is is the technology is there major league baseball advanced media I think is as good is anything out there. They have all this amazing technology. There's technology for instant replay that exists, but Major League Baseball just hasn't grasped onto it. So I think they need to get in tune with the times, get on board with the technology, use it, and avoid having something like this happen again. Let's talk about Ken Griffey Jr., 22 seasons in Major League Baseball, kind of abruptly retired this week. Uh, I think some people were not shocked. He was having a very poor season. And, you know, there was a lot of whispers about should he be on this team? Should he be in the clubhouse? Should he hang it up? But at the end of the day, the guy is a first ballot Hall of Famer. And I think, you know, by all accounts, he's done it cleanly. And he's kind of that poster child for here's the guy, you know, of this steroid era that that played by the rules. Yeah, and I'd have to absolutely agree with you, Brian. I mean, you know, it, it's kind of a shame, you know, that 
you kind of watch the decline of some of these guys. I was really surprised. I mean, look, he he had a one-year contract last year, and it had a bunch of clauses in it that basically were tied to attendance, and that would be how he was going to get his bonuses. And I think everybody kind of understood that he was being brought in as a clubhouse guy. There had been some friction in the past. that He would loosen things up. Um, I, but he wasn't being brought in to be the power guy, to be the defensive player that he had been in the past. You know, the injuries that he sustained, most of it with Cincinnati, just, you know, really kind of rocked him, I think. But, I mean, it, I was really surprised that they renewed that this year, given that it was kind of a let's relive 1995 kind of thing. But, I mean, at the end of the day, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I think he goes in squeaky clean. Um, he is that guy that, you know, I've never seen a more pure swing in my life. I mean, a lot of people talk about Bonds and how compact his swing was, you know, irrespective of the whole steroid conversation. But nobody seemed to have a smoother, more graceful swing than Griffey. And, you know, whether it was his cap on backwards at BP, you know, his just his, you know, comedic flair, you know, he's going to be sorely missed, I think, as, as a character of the game. And, uh, you know, and whether we're going to see more guys like him in the future, you know, I guess we're going to just uh, have to ride it out and see. Just a few minutes left we're with Maury Brown from the bizofbaseball.com. As a Hall of Famer leaves the game, potentially a future Hall of Famer is going to make his debut this cup upcoming week. Steven Strasburg, pitcher of the Washington Nationals, is getting rock star attention wherever he goes. And uh, he's going to make his debut this week. Uh, how do you think Strasburg's going to do at the major league level? I think that he's going to do well. I don't know if he's going to be, you know, as lights out as he's been for um, at the minor league level. I mean, look, you know, major league players, it doesn't take too much for them to, to figure him out. You know, I, the biggest thing about Strasburg, I think, is that he's got incredible command. And the, the ball that the pitch that he really has that I think is really incredible is his changeup. I mean, it just drops right off the table. Um, he's got, you know, extremely good. Um, skills in terms of, of of working the game. I think that the idea that he's going to be working with uh, Yvonne Rodriguez, I think that the, the Nationals brought him in, understanding that he could basically work with Strasburg, help him keep him, himself calm. Because, look, I mean, when you say rock star status, you know, I, I think that, that you're certainly, uh, you know, looking at that. I've got some data out there that just came in from uh, a group called Stat Geek, uh, Geek that basically looks at aggregate secondary ticket sales and since Strasburg's debut was officially announced on on the first ticket sales are transacting at 105.87 since the announcement where before they were like 51.11 so I mean we're seeing this drastic increase in in ticket sales and interest for Strasburg not only you know um, at at the local market but certainly on television as well so um, you know, he's going to be great for for the Nationals. And they, the Nationals also have the, you know, the overall first pick in the draft, and that's going to bode well for them, you know, moving forward. So, you know, things should be bright for the Nationals, and they certainly need something after all this time. Well, and that's what we talk about on this show and what you talk about all the time through your work is, you know, it's not just about how good the person is on the field or on the court, but what do they mean to the bottom line? And it seems like Steven Strasburg is going to be terrific for the bottom line of the Nationals, not only with attendance and ticket sales and merchandise sales and all the other revenue lines that go with that, but, you know, with TV rights and broadcast rights and, and things of that nature. So he's making the Nationals relevant because, frankly, you know, they had a big hubbub when they opened up their new ballpark and came back, but since then uh, they haven't been very relevant. 
No, and that's exactly true. I mean, you know, the bad thing I suppose about the ballpark was the team the team stunk, you know, the economy tanked. Um, you know, the the ballpark was built, you know, almost entirely on, you know, public funds. Um, you know, they need something and here's the thing, you know, the the Nationals have actually on their own merits right now without Strasburg in the lineup have been fairly competitive. Now they've slipped as of late, but um, you know, this might be something that will at least help them, you know, pull a win or two off, you know, and moving forward. And, you know, like I said, in the, in the next year, depending on how prospects turn out, they could actually be a, a major contender. So I think this is going to be the litmus test for the, for the D.C. market to see how well, um, you know, baseball really goes over. There's always been this talk that's been, you know, they've been first, you know, first in war, you know, first in peace, last in the American and National League. So now we're going to see whether that really is going to play out here in the future with uh, with Strasburg and how, how they move forward with the draft picks that they're going to get. Maury, thank you so much for taking the time to join us on Sports Business Radio. Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com. Check him out. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter. Twitter.com slash SBRadio. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Every championship team has one thing in common, good coaching. And I want to be your coach, your media coach. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form New School Media Coaching. New School Media Coaching uses a fresh and interactive approach for educating our clients about dealing with today's media landscape. Whether you're an athlete, a coach, or a front office executive in the sports or business world, We'll prepare you for communications with the masses in today's social media world where everything is on the record. And just like any good coach, we'll help you practice your new skills and we'll be there to provide constructive feedback every step of the way. With a combined 40 years of experience, we're veteran coaches, but we use a new school approach. For an overview and a list of our services, visit newschoolmediacoaching.wordpress.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. My guest is Jeff Brenniger. He's the head professional at Old McDonald Golf Course at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. Jeff, thanks for uh, coming on Sports Business Radio. Oh, you bet, Brian. It's my pleasure. So I've got to tell everyone I had the pleasure, the extreme pleasure, of playing golf with Jeff at the new Old McDonald course. And I'll tell you... I've never been to heaven, but if I get there one day and I get to play golf, I think this is what it's going to be like. Yeah, I, I can't argue with you there, Brian. It's, it's amazing that you'd say that. I just had a conversation with a gentleman who was out on the course a couple of days ago, and he said he felt like it was a cathedral out there, like it was a cathedral for golf. And that when he, uh, he said when he retires, he wants to come out and be a starter at, at Pacific Dunes <laughs> or Old Mac or Bandon or Trails because he feels like it's paradise for golfers. Yeah, let's start for our audience who's going, Old McDonald, where is this, and how did it come to be? Let's start at the beginning and talk about Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. It's on the southern Oregon coast. It was started by Mike Kaiser in 1999. Maybe you can tell us about the courses that have opened to date and bring us up to speed to uh, this point. Absolutely. Well, as you mentioned, Mr. Kaiser, who uh, made a name for himself in Recycled Greeting Card, uh, business. Uh, he wanted to build a golf course, and so he actually built a nine-hole course uh, in Michigan in the late 80s. Actually, it was about 89, and he got so into building golf courses and had loved golf for such a long time, he decided to look for a spot to build uh, a proper 18-hole course. 
And after kind of figuring that a Lynx course would be the, the most fun to build, he found this spot down here on the southern coast of Oregon. Uh, extremely remote site, uh, but just a spectacular uh, venue and piece of land to build Lynx golf courses. Uh, sandy soil, uh, we're on about a 100-foot bluff here overlooking the Pacific o Ocean, and we've got gorse as well, which is not uh, indigenous to this area. In fact, it was brought over from Scotland at one point. So he finds this piece of land and uh, contracts a young uh, golf course architect named uh, David McClay Kidd to build Bannon Dunes. And when it first opened, we hoped you know, if we did 10,000 rounds a year at a, at a modest fee, we would be happy. And we've, uh, we've since now opened three courses. Actually, Old McDonald will be our fourth course. And uh, 10,000 is, uh, is just a fraction of what we are able to, uh, to do year by year. Yeah, I mean, are you guys doing, like, a, in the peak, 120,000 rounds a year? And, you know, we'll get to this in a moment, how it's changed the airport in Bandon, because so many people are flying in from around the world to play your four courses now. It, it's really remarkable how it's changed the area down there. But let's focus again on Old McDonald for a moment. And I had a chance to play it with you this week. And just some of my thoughts. I mean, first of all, uh, it's breathtaking. The the views from all over the course, there are ocean views. God, I, I have a hard time even putting it into words other than stunning and, and breathtaking and, and heavenly. But it, as you said to me, Jeff, when we were playing, for people out there in the United States, if you want to play a golf course in the United States that is the closest thing to St. Andrews, Old McDonald's it, right? It is. Yeah, unquestionably it, it is. And I was lucky enough to play the old course a few times, and and when when you're on the old course as well as when you're on Old McDonald, there's a sense of freedom that you get uh, because the golf courses are so big. Uh, old McDonald is easily the biggest course on property, if not on the West Coast, in that it's got enormous fairways, uh, the, some of the biggest greens in the world. In fact, one of our greens is 24,000 square feet, and uh, it and nothing nice feels to... like it's it doesn't feel like it's out of place. It all fits perfectly into the topography. Um, so very much a St. Andrews feel. And we won't mention that you mentioned to me that I missed the 24,000-square-foot <laughs> green. And I get, you said that's going to be an inside thing now. When people miss those big greens, you'll say, do you realize that you just missed a 24,000-square-foot green? Well, you know what? It happens. And it wasn't too windy the day that we played, but you still have to golf your ball around this golf course. And so, we, in fact, Mr. Doak talked about the fact that you know, once you've hit your approach, now the fun really begins because these greens are so beautiful and so wonderfully designed and have so much variety. Some of them are very undulating and some of them are, are relatively flat, uh, but with an average green size of about 12,000 square feet, uh, which is much larger than the average in the United States, it just takes on a totally different look and the fun factor goes through the roof. Uh, when you're playing a round of golf, hitting a fairway is fun, but really hitting a green uh, in regulation is even more fun. So even if you're going to end up with a two or three putt, uh, you're still putting more than you would normally, it seems. Yeah, I mean, it, you get to be creative on this golf course, too. Oh, yeah. I can remember, you know, some shots where I was maybe 130, 140 out, and you're asking yourself, do I want to bump and run it? Do I want to chip it up there, or do I want to try and loft it up there? And, and you get to really think about, okay, what do I want to do here? So there's a lot of creativity that comes into play. 
the contours out here, I think, much like its sister courses, Bandon Trails, Bandon Dunes, and Pacific Dunes, really require the player to think about the contours of the land and play the ground game. That's what Lynx Golf is all about, keeping the ball down, knocking it down, putting from anywhere. Uh, in fact, we, we tell our guests to keep their lob wedge in the trunk of their car when they come to play because they're just not going to use it out here. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and, you know, using your putter, like I mentioned, is, is crucial out here. I, I've putted from 100 yards out because it seemed like the right play. If you look at the contours on the approach and if the fairways are running at, you know, six or seven on a stent meter because they're so tight and firm, well, why not putt the ball? You're not going to get that opportunity to do that. Uh, at many courses in the United States. So come to Bandon Dunes and do it. Well, and I've got to tell our audience that Jeff played all of the undulations. And, and, I mean, he read these greens better than anyone I've ever seen and was able to, I mean, you were putting from way off the the green in in some cases, but uh, just remarkable if you get to play it a few times, how you can kind of uh, figure out which way the greens are going to go and things of that nature. My guest is Jeff Brenniger. He's the head professional at Old McDonald at Bandon Dunes Golf Resort. I completely expect Old McDonald to be named the number one course you can pay to play in the United States. It's that good. Well, it could certainly happen. You know, we're, we're so excited to see what the world thinks when they show up. Uh, but like I said, we're, we're going to just kind of wait and see what everybody says. The early reports say, yes, that, that Doak and Urbina and Mr. Kaiser have done it again. But we'll wait and see. Let's talk about the name Old McDonald. So most of us know that uh, Mr. Kaiser is a big fan of Charles Blair McDonald. He's considered the father of golf architecture in the United States. Uh, he's the architect of Mr. Kaiser's favorite course, or one of his favorite courses, the National Golf Links. Is that so? That's the genesis for the Old McDonald name, right? That's correct. Absolutely. Um, the basically the idea was, if we took this piece of land, and if Charles Blair McDonald were alive now, what would he do? And so, asking Doak and Urbina to sort of channel. Charles Blair McDonald uh, was kind of an interesting idea, but Mr. Kaiser felt like this would be the perfect opportunity to do it, and the site lent, lended itself to that type of approach. Uh, Doak and Urbina were very familiar with the land, having built Pacific right next to it. And so, you know, some have said Bannon Dunes was built, Pacific Dunes uh, was found, Bannon Trails was revealed, and I think with Old McDonald, it may have just been deciphered. Uh, the template holes that Charles Blair McDonald used on all of his golf courses, uh, holes that he paid tribute to from Great Britain, we were able to find most of those holes out here relatively easy. Uh, Doak found a road hole. Uh, Urbina would find uh, a great hogsback or a double plateau or a redan. And so when it all pieced together, it just fit perfect. And it was, it's very McDonald-esque. Let's talk about the economy there in Bandon, because that's an interesting story to me. I mean, 15 years ago, Bandon was this sleepy little town. And, you know, the resort has provided 300-plus jobs to people that live in that area. And then the airport is booming. Like I was saying earlier in the interview, there's up to 5,000 planes, private planes, that are flying in from all over the world to come to that airport. Maybe you could talk a little bit about how the airport has grown, what kind of services are offered there, and how people can uh, get to Bandon Dunes. We've been talking about this lately a lot in that it's, it's really never been easier to get to Bandon Dunes. We've got uh, SkyWest flying into the North Bend Airport uh, from San Francisco as well as Portland, uh, several flights a day. 
and that partnership with the resort and with the area has been great. Uh, beside all of the, the private jets that fly in there, we're hoping to expand further and get even more flights to come in, but so far the relationship with with SkyWest has been wonderful, and uh, like I said, if we can get even more flights to come in, that's that's better for everybody uh, in the area. Who are some of the celebrities that have come and played at the resort there? I mean, I've you know read Michael Jordan and Tiger Woods and, and people like that. Uh, do you just kind of look up some days and and hey, there's Arnold Palmer or you know whoever shows up to play, or do you get some heads up that they're coming out? Well, most of the time we we don't get a heads up. And, in fact, we tend to be on, uh, on a very low-key basis here. And so if a celebrity does walk in the shop, they're treated like everyone else, of course, and we try to make sure that they enjoy their golf because that's why they're here, uh, to enjoy some of the best Lynx golf in the world. And, and so nine times out of ten, we just greet them like we would normally greet them. There might be some younger staff members who will get a little excited when they see certain people walk through the door, but they're all guests of our house. This is this is our home, and so when you come to our home, uh, you're all treated the same, and we want you to just enjoy the golf, enjoy your rooms, enjoy your food, and feel comfortable and welcome. Well, the resort's really magnificent, and, you know, one of the things that makes the experience for me whenever I've gone to Banna Dunes, frankly, is having a caddy. I never have a caddy anywhere I go except for when I come to Bandon. And the caddies are fantastic. They're storytellers. Most importantly, they help me read the greens and and, and find my golf ball when when I can't find it. Sure. But uh, they're great ambassadors there. And, you know, maybe you could just talk about the fact that carts are not allowed there. It's not this loud place. There's not traffic going on. Um, You know, even if I think of a course like Pebble Beach, where there's houses that are on the course and, and there's traffic. And this is just, it, it's literally golf. And if you don't want to play golf, don't show up at Bandon Dunes. But if you want to play the greatest courses around and just focus on four great courses, come to Bandon Dunes, right? Absolutely. And I think you hit on it uh, as far as the caddies being ambassadors. That's exactly the way we feel about uh, the caddies. They do such a wonderful job and they spend uh, more time with the guests than any of us do. Uh, you check in the golf shop, you check in with the first tea host, and that's just a couple minutes out of your day. But then you spend four and a half hours with the caddy or possibly nine hours if you're playing 36, which most of our guests do in the summer. Uh, that's a lot of time to spend with a caddy. And the stories that they tell, the way that they know these golf courses, uh, it, it can make the entire experience for you. And the people who show up or the guests that show up uh, that have never taken a caddy before are absolutely blown away when they walk off uh, the course with the first round under their belt with a caddy. They, they say nine times out of ten, once again, I would take one every time if I could. Uh, so the caddies definitely make the experience. Yeah, I highly recommend a caddy. Some people are intimidated, but I'll tell you what, it makes the experience, you feel like you're buddies with your caddy by the end of the round. Absolutely. And they help you immensely, and you know they live in the area, and they're just great storytellers as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. They're, they're here to make your round more enjoyable. They're not here to watch you or to be critical at all. They want to help you get around the golf course and enjoy every single shot. So th- they do a wonderful job, and there are, there are lots of characters in our caddy yard that uh, you might end up with if you come to play here. Jeff, tell us a little bit about the lodging and the food there. That's very enjoyable. I love uh, McKee's, the Irish pub that you've got there on site. And uh, I know you guys have expanded your lodging since you first opened up to be able to accommodate the number of people that are coming to play these courses. 
Absolutely. We've, we've since added the inn. Uh, we started off with just the lodge and then added the lily pond rooms and the chrome lake suites and the grove cottages, and now we have the inn. So there's, there are a lot of opportunities and a lot of options for lodging while you're with us, uh, as well as many different dining options as well. We've got the gallery in the main lodge and Trails End out at Bandon Trails. We've got a wonderful grill at Pacific Dunes. Uh, so there are lots of places for you to eat, as well as just kind of stopping in to get a snack before you head out on the course here at Old McDonald. So tell our listeners how they can find out more about Old McDonald and Bandon Dunes Golf Resort, how they can find out you know, the different pricing for uh, fees for staying at the lodging or for playing golf during the various seasons of the year. I know the pricing changes a little bit based on the seasons. How can they find all that information out? Well, you bet. Uh, the, the best way to do it is to just go to our website, and that's com. And once you're at the website, there are lots of ways to get to a reservations agent, or you can call any of the golf shops, and we'd love to talk to you about golf and uh, the options you have here. Well, I got to tell you, Jeff, it was an amazing experience to get to come play Old McDonald. And uh, you guys have created a masterpiece there. So congratulations on that. I mean, honestly, when I drove down there, I thought, gosh, how can they top what they've done with the first three courses? But I think you guys did it. Sure. Well, and it's all thanks to Mr. Kaiser, um, Mike Kaiser's vision of what Bandon Dunes could be and his uh, his constant passion for walking golf and for Lynx golf in particular has, has basically fueled this whole project from start to finish, and he's not done yet. Um, we are so proud to be a part of what he's created here, and uh, it, it's a pleasure to be a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess the last thing I'll say is this. We've been in a tough economy for the last few years, and I have to give Mr. Kaiser a lot of credit for kind of plowing through the bad economy and, and getting this course completed. Yeah, there was no slowdown at all. Once we once we were committed to building Old McDonald, uh, in spite of any kind of economic fluctuations that might have occurred during the construction process, we were always full steam ahead. And once again, that shows his commitment to the project and just to Bandon Dunes in general. Well, and you guys are chugging along. Uh, it seems like you've been able to weather a poor economy there, and it's this little uh, heavenly location that people love to come play golf. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeff, for your hospitality this week. You bet, Brian. Thank you so much. Thank you, Jeff. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. Stay in touch with SBR on Twitter, twitter.com slash SBRadio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. It's no secret that we're battling a tough economy these days. It's more difficult than ever for companies to position their brand in a unique way and reach their target audience. Sports Business Radio can help you, though. Sports Business Radio is syndicated in markets nationwide. Our popular podcast is regularly rated in the top 100 business news podcasts on iTunes and has listeners around the world. But our radio network and podcast aren't the only places your company will receive exposure when you join our family of sponsors. We'll also give you exposure via sportsbusinessradio.com and at our new Sports Executive Speaker Series events, which feature a conversation with a key decision maker from the world of sports in front of a live audience. And best of all, we can expose your product to the big-name guests that appear on our show. We'd love to have you on our team. Please contact me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com or at 503-701-2215 if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Some athlete endorsement news before we let you go this week. 2K Sports announced 
that 14-time NBA All-Star, five-time NBA Most Valuable Player, six-time NBA World Champion, and recent Hall of Fame inductee Michael Jordan is going to appear on the cover of NBA 2K11. It's going to hit stores in October. This is interesting. Jordan will return to the court, but in virtual form. And, uh, you know, they could have chosen from many other athletes, and they picked Michael Jordan. And the interesting thing is, if you remember, Michael Jordan, back in his playing days, opted out of the NBA's licensing agreement. So he made his own deals, kept 100% of those deals, didn't share in the revenue from the Players Association because he made so much money on his own, he didn't want to share it with anyone else. And Barry Bonds did that in baseball as well a few years ago. And I guess when you're a superstar, you can do those types of things. But Michael Jordan, on the cover of NBA 2K11, it'll hit stores in October. Pittsburgh Penguins center Sidney Crosby is on the verge of signing the richest endorsement deal in NHL history, said to be worth almost $10 million over the next seven years. This is according to Ken Campbell of the Hockey News. It's with Reebok. And Sidney Crosby's star has just taken off. He obviously came into the NHL with much hype, but then he's won a Stanley Cup championship, and he made that epic shot in the Olympics that won gold for Team Canada. So he's become uh, a rock star in his own right, and a big, big name in Reebok is going to make them one of the faces of their brand going forward. All right, lots of thank yous on our show this week. Jeff Brenniger from Old McDonald at Bandon Dunes. What a phenomenal golf course. Go out and play it, and uh, you will not regret it at all. Maury Brown from thebizofbaseball.com, our show staff, Brian Griggs, Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon and New School Media Coaching. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. We're on iTunes, one of the top business news podcasts on iTunes. Go to iTunes and type in Sports Business Radio. I'm on Twitter, at SB Radio. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. Well, I'm dusting off my golf clubs and looking forward to enjoying the gorgeous Oregon summer weather on the golf course. Like many of you, I'm on a budget. I want to tee it up when it's convenient for my schedule, and I enjoy playing golf courses that deliver a private golf club experience. That's why I want to tell you about the Ghost Pass at Pumpkin Ridge Golf Club. The Ghost Pass is Oregon's premier frequent player program that allows you to play the world-renowned Ghost Creek Golf Course for over half off of the regular greens fees. And with your Ghost Pass, you can make your tee times 14 days in advance. The Ghost Pass program sets itself apart by offering a competitive tournament program, which includes one exclusive Ghost Pass event at Witch Hollow. The Ghost Pass is available for only $150, and here's the best part. When you sign up for the Ghost Pass, you'll receive a complimentary round of golf valued at $150. So you literally can't lose when you purchase the Ghost Pass. Go online to pumpkinridge.com and sign up for the Ghost Pass today. I'll see you on the links.